Hello, dear listener. I have something truly special to share. It's an exclusive invitation to join me in Mexico for an intimate and luxurious three-day retreat along the beautiful Pacific coast of Zihuatanejo, taking place the weekend of the spring equinox, March 18th through the 20th. There's also an optional day to stay through the 21st for some special ceremonies that are happening in the area for the equinox. But the retreat itself is the 18th through the 20th, really an opportunity not to be missed. And I'm offering one lucky listener a discounted ticket. On this weekend that I've, I've just been loving into being actually for several years now as COVID and you know everything, but when we conceived of building this place, our home down here it's really what we envisioned, you know, bringing people down here for retreats, for trainings, because we felt and we knew that this space was special. And as people keep coming down and we keep getting the feedback, how magical it is, we want to share it in a really intentional way. You know, be working with the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, the metaphors of the season will set sight on a new vision for our mothering journey and creating a deeper connection to self and mother nature. So to win a discounted ticket, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and DM it to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And remember, the most important thing to mother is yourself. Give yourself permission to take a retreat this year. Besides, who said mothers can't go on a spring break? I'll see you there. Hello, and welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code. I'm Dr. Gertrude Lyons, a professional life coach, exploring, demystifying, and democratizing the maternal power that lives in all women. The experience of mothering may not necessarily mean what you think it means. I believe that mothering is a vehicle for transformation, whether or not we have children. And together, we can start a new conversation around modern motherhood. On this show, we will redefine what it means to mother and untap the powerful feminine within you. Are you ready to rewrite the mother code? This is a Soul Fire production. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for tuning into episode three of Rewrite the Mother Code podcast. Today, we're going to be exploring the impact of COVID-19 on women and careers. And we're going to do this through the lens of rewriting the mother code. I'm really excited about it, but I do want to give you fair warning that this podcast may fall into the more sobering, but also important category. And as always, I hope to cast light on material that helps us all like think more critically and feel more deeply so we can make powerful and authentic choices. So let's dive in. And whenever we're looking at choices around mothering in this arena of Rewrite the Mother Code, we always want to look at the current landscape. We want to see like what's so. We're going to be looking at some historical landscape and we're going to look at uh, what we can do and you know what are some options that we have that you may not have thought about before. That's what I'm hoping. Okay, so first of all, current state. How has COVID-19 impacted women and careers? Well, the short version of that is it's impacted it hugely with catastrophic and terrible results, in my opinion. But we have plenty of data to back it up. And let's look at some of that, right? So I'm going to be referring to and and drawing from 
a couple articles. One's a Harvard Business Review article. Another is a Wall Street Journal article. Those will be in the show notes. Also, book that'll be in the show notes, uh, The Myths of Motherhood, because I bring in some work from that also. Okay, so let's first look at how progress towards greater gender equality has, prior to COVID-19, been hesitant and halting. And actually, over the last five years, we haven't really seen much progress at all. So now let's add to that COVID-19 and the pandemic, and it really risks ascending any progress that we have made into reverse. So how is that happening? Okay, well, women's jobs are 1.8 times more vulnerable in this crisis than men's. And let's look at how women make up 39% of global employment, but are accounting for 54% of overall job losses as of May. And at the same time that this is happening, the burden of unpaid care, which has risen in the pandemic, falls disproportionately on women. And this is a blow to both societal progress, but also to the economy and business that I think we aren't taking enough stock in. Uh, McKinsey did some research and found that prior to COVID, um, McKinsey and others, I've seen plenty of research on this, that gender diversity is the key to financial um, and economic success. All the companies that are having more you know, equal women and men in the higher positions and decision-making and leadership in businesses and countries are showing really prominent uh, positive movement success. So that's what it's a factor we're going to come back to, because if we have this much success, why isn't it changing? You know, when the data is clearly showing a positive impact. Okay. Well, let's look at some other factors. Women do an average of 75% of the world's total unpaid care work, including childcare, caring for the elderly, cooking and cleaning. But as COVID-19 has disproportionately increased the time women spend on these family responsibilities, women have been dropping out of the workforce at a higher rate that can, that can be explained by general labor market dynamics alone. Something else I found that I thought was really telling was um, there's a woman, Joan Williams, a professor at the University of California, Hastings College of Law, and founder of the Center for Work-Life Law, says that employers and policymakers are way too slow to grasp the scale of this crisis because the crisis in the U.S. where caregiving is considered a private responsibility. That's kind of key here, right? It's not the company's responsibility. It's not our culture. It's not our bigger family responsibility. It's your responsibility. And we're really not going to give you much help for it. And good luck is really where we're left. Uh, she has a crisis hotline, which offers legal help to people who think they are encountering discrimination because of their caregiver responsibilities. And she found that between April and June of this year, calls have risen 250% from the same time last year. There's a lot happening, okay? Um, but also we need to look at how our attitudes and how attitudes shape how women experience the economic consequences of a crisis relative to men. So traditional, aka patriarchal mindsets are reflected in current decisions at the organizational level or even within families about who gets to keep their jobs. So for example, according to the Global World Values Survey, more than half the respondents in many countries in South Asia and others 
agreed that men have more of a right to a job than women, and particularly when jobs are scarce. And about one in six respondents in developed countries, that would include the U.S., said the same. That's a lot. And, you know, that's us not believing. Um, we're going to talk about that later. I've seen this personally. I've seen it personally. I I led a webinar with a mom's group, uh, a, a really large, wonderful women's organization and, uh, you know, networking support organization called Hey Mama. And I had a group of moms on there. and really to facilitate conversation, like how could they be supported? What's, what's happening for them in the landscape? And it was a, a little earlier on in the crisis, but one woman talked about how, since she has her own business and her husband works for a company, you know, the, the burden of care has fallen more on her because she has, you know, quote unquote, more flexibility. Okay. Well, we could find some reasonability with that. But then other women chime in, they're like, well, it's the opposite in ours. I have the corporate job and bosses, and my husband has the entrepreneurial, you know, own own his own business, and I'm still doing the same exact thing. And as a matter of fact, you know, the statistics are showing that women in general are spending what equates to close to two more full days on the home care and the child care in any of these situations, you know, so probably of about the 10 women that were on the call, I would say, if I remember correctly, one, but it may have been two or three um, of that amount felt like, you know, they were sharing things pretty equally. So this is way out of balance, right? I don't think we need more data, but I, I had another example looking at uh, how this has been happening for quite some time. And if if we all remember, you may or may not have been around for the Clinton administration, but Zoe Baird really came to the forefront there in something that got termed nanny gate. Because, you know, despite the fact that she was more than qualified to become the attorney general, which was what she was up for, there was a huge um, crisis, I don't know, drama about the fact that she was paying her nanny cash because she was not a legal citizen. Okay, so would this ever have happened if that was found out that, you know, in the man's family that they were paying their nanny? No, it was unprecedented. Um, so it is what I consider a fiasco showed how raw, divisive and un, unprocessed our ideas about mothers and work. All right. So I, I think we're really getting the idea here. Right. Um, and I have them myself. Um, I'm not saying all of this from any standpoint of superiority. I look back at, you know, my daughters are grown now, but I look back at through the time of raising them. And even before that, even before I had kids how much it was coming through that my husband's advancement in, in career and the focus on him in career and success was, was the more important one. Um, I valued masculine values over feminine ones, and I'm still working on that. And we all have lots of work to do in that arena, which we're going to talk about a little, little later in the episode. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning 
land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. So, yes, I took on more of the childcare despite having, you know, at various times through the raising of our children, a full-time job and I was in school. So, but it was still more valued and more important the light shining on him and his work. And that's, you know, that's on me. So this is not a blame him sort of thing. And we'll we'll talk about that and the reasons why that's so. So what does it look like if we now shine some of the work that I've done and maybe you've, you know, hopefully you've had a chance to listen to episodes one and two and have a sense of what, what's happening in rewriting the mother code, you know, where we really are called upon to look at any of these things that we have issues with to look at ourselves and to look inside, right? So in my research, I underlined 14 myths that really restrict and straitjacket, I call it, a woman into a narrow definition of what it means to be a mother and curtail any of the transformational opportunities that are available to her. But it they really constrict us in our value of ourselves, which is what we want to underline here. So I'm looking at uh, a couple myths that I think really underline and, you know, come to the forefront. They all do at some level. I could look at any of them, but let's look at these couple myths. The first one is the more a mother tends to the needs of her children first, the better mother she will be. The second one is it is part of a mother's job 
to put the needs of her children and spouse or partner first, then take care of her own. And please understand when I say mother and children, that this conversation is open to all women and whether you're mothering children or your career, whatever is in the forefront for you of what you're mothering, the same, the same paradigm holds true. So let's look at those, right? So in the first one, this one's about putting the needs of their children first to be a better mother, because in our culture, we're looking to do that job right. And oh my gosh, in COVID-19, you know, it's why women are jumping in and, and, and taking over and, and, you know, doing so much more of the care because that's going to prove, you know, they don't want to be looked at as not the good woman, not the, you know, doing the job right. And there is no doing the job right. So we really got to break this one. And then as far as putting, you know, it's her job to put the needs of her children and, and those that she's caring for before her, before she takes care of her own, that has big implications because if we're not taking care of ourselves first, we really aren't as available. It's where we're seeing so much burnout, breakdown, you know, the anxiety, anxiety has really become crushing for women because we, we haven't learned this, you know, we, we knew it was a good idea, but we're really seeing in this crisis that until we do really dig in and take responsibility for ourselves, our inner landscape, in addition to our external you know, none of this is going to change. So you may have heard these couple myths and think, well, well, I, you know, I don't really fall into that, that category or belief, uh, but let's, let's really look, you know, and really this, this takes a deep inquiry. This takes looking into our unconscious. This isn't what we think on the surface. This is all unconscious wiring. It's the sea we swim in and it's been systematically wired in us for, for thousands of years, you know, and research some research would show that they pinpoint it for at least 6,000 years that we've really shifted the balance into a much more masculine value. And I don't necessarily mean male, female, but masculine values during this time period. So this isn't going to be undone quickly and easily, but it doesn't, that's, that's no excuse, but we have to know that we're doing some serious rewiring here. But I think it's also really heartening and cool to know it hasn't always been this way. And we do have some other models to look to. Yes, they're quite old. And I'm not saying we should, you know, take ourselves back there. But I think there are some things we can draw from that are really important. So if we go back to the old and new stone ages, the landscape was very different. It was egalitarian. And men and women did different jobs and had different responsibilities. But everything that they're finding more and more is showing that they were valued equally. And there was a lot more cooperation, a lot more, you know, um, seeing each other's contributions as, as valuable and important to their, to their survival, um, to the well-being, you know, of the, the clan, you know, whatever group that they were. These were the nomadic in nomadic times. So the other really cool fact about this is, um, and I think an important myth to break, particularly in this conversation that we're having is I've, you know, always thought of or kind of held that, you know, in these caveman and woman times that, you know, the woman, you know, took care of the kids and stayed, you know, kind of close to the cave and the men went out and did the dangerous hunting, you know, to bring the food source, you know, for the family. Well, they did do that. They, they did hunt and bring food source, but turns out, that in the meantime, the gathering that the women were doing was still providing 80% of the food source for the family. 
So this isn't new that women have been doing, um, you know, a huge amount. I think it's super empowering, like, you know, go us. Right. And, and even after time, they would join men in the hunt sometimes, but it wasn't because they felt like they had to like do something better. It was, you know, just something that, and, and men contributed, you know, in ways. So there's lots that we're seeing that was possible there. Um, and I think that gives us a really beautiful picture of what, what could be, right? But that's where I want to get to something that I think is the crux of it all and what is really going to help us in this environment. And it starts by us valuing a woman's contribution and heed the stats that show that businesses, economies, um, as we're adding more women to the workforce and leadership and, you know, in businesses and countries where women are in leadership, it isn't just like, a you know, the right thing to do. It's we're having better outcomes when women are part of the mix. You know, the profits are better in businesses. You know, countries, the women leading countries in COVID are safer and doing, you know, overall better in their countries. So this bringing the masculine and feminine values back into balance is what's key here. So, you know, each of us needs to do that in a, a way that we can do that, you know, in our culture externally is, you know, for to bridge the gap in the pay, the pay disparity. So, of course. You know, we need that to happen. We need policies to change. Um, you know, we need companies to really be taking big steps to make these changes and making care possible, making time off from work. There's tons of things in that arena that need to happen at those levels. But what we're really talking about here is women valuing and shifting these myths. And yes, we, we need to make shifts externally, but we really need to take a deep look at the wiring that may be in blocking in in the way of having these things actually happen. How am I not valuing myself fully? And where do I still believe that I'm less than? So I don't deserve that pay increase. I'm not going to fight for that pay increase if I don't really believe it myself and ourselves, right? So how can we personally shift this in our life right now? What are some, what can we do? How can we hold this differently? I believe, you know, we need to shift our values. We need to shift our thinking in this and we need to access our inner stone age woman and reclaim. And if it could, if it was done, then it can be done again. And I can reclaim my value really. And this happens when, you know, we go on a journey of breaking the beliefs and behaviors that are personally holding us back. It is an eye and heart opening journey. And I invite all of us to, to go on it. But take some time today, even to do an inventory of ways you may be adhering to family and cultural beliefs that are disempowering, uh, disempowering you in any of the ways that we talked about today or in general. And in the meantime, I'm going to be doing the same. I'm going to be looking at it today and going forward. And I'll also be holding a vision for you, for all of us that we take this on. And I, I, I'm excited about it. I'm hopeful. Um, and it's going to take work, but hey, we're, we're used to that. We can do it. Um, so uh, it's been great being with you today and look forward to our next one. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you love this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that you can stay on the journey and continue to hear more about rewriting your mother code.